Greetings, humans, and welcome to the Just Hits End podcast. I'm Kelsey, your host, and wow, a big hello to December as well. Here we go. We are in day three of it. If you're listening to this in real time, oh my word, crazy, isn't it? The year is just about over, but I want to welcome you to episode number 10. Um, It kind of feels like a milestone of some sort. Time is quite literally flying by, isn't it? Well, in this episode, I'm going to give you my year in review, and that's not a highlights reel of what happened this year. No, no, that would be annoying in my opinion um, and way too about me. (laughs) Um, And you can follow me on social media for that if you really care. But rather, this is my year in review of books that I have read in 2021. And I plan on doing this every year um, as we come to a close on them because I do a yearly uh, book challenge for myself. Over the last couple of years, I have done that and I very much enjoy it. Um, so I feel, felt like it was a decent enough episode to uh, to share with you because if you're a book nerd like I am, you might uh, get a kick out of it or might be like, hey, I read that one too, or I've read that in the past, or man, I got to read that one. I got to put that on my list. So I don't know. I thought it would be a good little closing episode here of season one because sad news season one is coming to a close right this very minute. I had a couple other episodes planned out for this season, but you know, life kind of crept up on me and uh, I'm about to enter into a big season of change um, for myself personally next week. And as I was kind of feeling that hesitation, I was like, "Hmm, maybe the hesitation is a warning sign to just stop at a wholesome number of 10 um, for the year and uh, just gear up for next year because we will not be dropping it at 10 episodes, that's for sure. But anyway, I'm pretty excited about this episode. It's honestly been on my episodes list since I started really planning out episodes um, before I even launched the podcast. So I'm really happy you're here today and I'm very ready to get down and nerdy about all things book related. So even if you're not into books or reading as much as I am or whatever, um, this is a more laid back and easy listener for you. So I hope you enjoy it either way, wherever you kind of fall on that book lover spectrum. But uh, all right, let's just hit send on my year in review of 2021 books. So I'm actually a newer adult reader in the grand scheme of things. Um, I have not been a lifelong lover of books by any means. It was a New Year's challenge that I set out for myself at the end of 2019 for my 2020 goals to read 12 books in one calendar year. That year being lockdown year of 2020, so that worked out kind of nicely, and I was given a lot more time than I thought I was going to have to dedicate towards reading. Couldn't have planned that one out better, but I sent out uh, or set out, excuse me, with this goal of reading 12 books in a year, or you know, if you break that down perfectly, it would be one book per month. And you have to understand where I'm coming from here of thinking this was a super ambitious goal and one that quite honestly scared me to be honest um, because I read zero books in 2019. So from zero to one a month, that's quite the goal, right? 
I know there's tons of people that read like one or two books a week. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that, that's, I can't even, can't even imagine. But long story short on that journey last year, I ended up uh, far surpassing that 12 book goal in 2020 and ended up reading a total of 24 books. So I doubled my initial goal on that one. I finished my goal of 12 books on May 25th of 2020 and kind of looked around me and was like, um, oh, wow. Okay. I'm kind of obsessed with this and I'm a full blown reader. Like, look at me go. I also kind of went into it, um, always having a struggle with reading, um, just on a comprehension and just the foundationally. Uh, so when I walked into 2020 with this goal, I was not thinking that I was going to be a fast reader. And it's one of those things, right. Um, that people say like riding a bike, you gotta just pick it up where you left off. And, the more you practice at it, the better you get, which is definitely true. I can definitely attest to that. So anyway, that whole situation was really cool. Um, so I set out on another book reading challenge for this year, 2021, with a goal of reading 15 books. As I was thinking about 2021 at the end of 2020 and kind of just like pondering what I knew this year was going to look like for me personally, professionally, just all around that um, plus if you know, if you listen to last week's episode, um, episode number nine, you know, I'm just not a big fan of overworking myself when this book challenge is supposed to be fun and life-giving and not pressurized. <laughs> um, so I'm not into like killing myself over a reading challenge that I set for myself. But I knew this year was going to be a bit of a doozy of a year for me personally. So I kept the book goal pretty realistic and I didn't go for like, 24, whatever, or try to surpass that one like I accomplished last year um, because I knew it would just be different this year in my time and my energy. And man, my self-awareness was spot on back then last year, at the end of last year, because that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so the goal was to read 15 books in 20. 21. And I honestly, I got to scroll down here in my list. Um, I've read 17. No, I've read 16. There we go. <laughs> As of now working on number 17. So there's that. Um, so we did surpass the goal um, once again. So that's kind of cool to see, but not by, you know, doubling or tripling anything super crazy like that. Um, but yeah, still, still pretty cool. Read some really good books this year, and I wanted to share that with you guys. So uh, during the winter, I also tend to kick my reading into high gear because there is literally nothing more perfect to me than having like the holiday lights on and the Christmas tree lights on um, with a good cup of tea under a blanket, reading a book for several hours in the evening. That is just... Mm. Chef kiss, if you ask me. <laughs> so um, yeah, anyways, I'm a fan of the app uh, Goodreads, if uh, you're familiar with that. Um, if you're a big reader, I'm sure you're aware of it, but I was a little bit skeptical, honestly, of this app for a while, but decided to use it for this year just to track my books because it seemed easier than my notes app on my phone, but that honestly worked fine um, for me if you're not interested in another app on your phone or you don't have space for that. Um, but I do really like Goodreads as an app because you can follow me on there if you'd like. Uh, my name is just Kelsey Jeff on there. I don't think there's a username, perhaps. Um, if there is, it's 
going to be KLJ RMS, but I don't think there is. I think it's just my name. Um, but I like it because you can kind of just track things. You can see other reviews of other people um, and give it the one to five star rating, which I appreciate because that's what I was doing last year anyway. Um, so a little bit about me and my personal genre preferences before I just dive on into going through each book that I read this year. I do love a good historical fiction novel, especially the World War II time era. No surprise, I'm sure, um, to most of you if you know me. But I read a good chunk of those. I, I do read a good chunk of those each year. Um, some are way better than others. I think once you get kind of your feet wet in a genre, you can kind of cherry pick which ones are going to be good or not. <laughs> um, a lot, especially if you're in the World War II um, time era, are very similar to each other. Um, I mean, even the style of writing, the stories are super similar. Um, but not that that's a bad thing, but it's just like, it is what it is. So I typically rely on a friend of mine actually from high school that I um, still keep in a little bit of contact with on Instagram um, for good World War, World War II themed novels because she, I think, would agree with me. Some are way better than others. And a lot of themes, again, are repeated in more basic or classic historical fiction novels. And this friend also reviews uh, books on her Instagram stories, which I appreciate. I have a couple of friends that do that. I do that as well on my Instagram stories. Um, and she, this friend of mine actually introduced me to what is now one of my favorite authors and is by far my favorite World War II fiction author. So shout out to you, Morgan, if you're listening. Thanks for your recommendations. I always appreciate them. Um, I also really enjoy self-help books. Uh, also, no surprise, since this is a whatever self-help podcast. Um, so those types of books, though, they're basically the same info regurgitated in a different way. Uh, <laughs> but I find them motivating more times than not. Um, I've kind of shelved those for the time being, though, because like I said, once you get your feet wet into a genre, you can kind of get the gist and be like, mm, this one, I've heard this before. But I also like biographies as well, um, and I am a huge YA fan, like big time. Um, so YA, for those non-bookers, uh, is the young adult fiction. So that includes mostly coming-of-age stories, kind of romancy, very cringy stories um, sometimes, but I love them a lot. Uh, I am have no shame saying John Green is one of my favorite authors in that genre, but I will go through a couple of YAs that I read this year. Um, I can really blow through a, a YA in like no time. It's a little bit kind of crazy. So yeah, anyway, that's a little bit about my preferences and kind of what's to come. A lot of, uh, I, I don't read books that I'm not interested in. <laughs> um, that's kind of plain in simple. Um, this especially is for my enjoyment, for my fun, for relaxation and rest and that kind of stuff. So I'm like, why the heck am I reading books when I don't want to read them? If I get a third of the way through a book and I'm not feeling it, I will put it down. <laughs> I have done that quite a few times this year, actually. So yeah, anyway, that's about me. Let's close that section out of the listening for you today. And let's get into my year in review. So how this is going to kind of work is I'm going to go through each book I read, give you the brief review of it, um, a little bit of what it's about, and kind of tease it. I will not give you any spoilers, though. 
Um, I'll get, let you know on a scale of one to five star rating, five being the best, and then if I recommend it or not. And I'll share that um, with you because Goodreads tracks that info for me. So I have that info already available and you can go check back through that as well if you'd like. Um, I do not keep any of my books after I've read them. I know it's very peculiar, but I do not have a giant bookshelf with a thousand books on it. That's just not my personal preference. I'm really anti-clutter <laughs> and I just, I really, I'm not into rereading books. Um, and I have less than 10 books in my possession. The ones that are like, oh my gosh, keepers like can't give this one up. And a couple of those, um, are ones I read this year. So yeah, that's just, uh, if I'm sorry in advance, if you're like, oh my gosh, I would love to borrow that book. Um, you're going to have to go to the thrift store or Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or something because <laughs> I do not have it more, more times than not. And if I do have it, I'm not loaning it out because it, they never come back, right? They never really come back into your possession if you do loan them out. So the ones I keep are the, my, uh, my sacred ones. So go find them. And I will, uh, give you all my recommendations, but I don't actually have a physical copy for you. But anyway, let's hop on in. Okay, so book number one is the little book of Hige or Higa or however you want to say it. It tells you how to say it at the beginning of the book, but no one honestly quite knows unless you speak a different language. <laughs> but um, this is The Danish Way to Live Well by Mike Wicking. So I love this book, honestly. It's super good for people who are into slow living and the concept of hige is really interesting to learn about. Um, I have certainly implemented elements of the concept here into my life. I rated this book as four stars. Um, I like to leave the five-star ratings for books that totally blow me out of the water, just FYI. So if you're like, what are you talking about? You're talking, you're raving about this book, but you didn't give it five stars. That's why, because I'm really, really particular. <laughs> um, but this one's really good. It is um, talking about uh, the Danish culture and you know, past and present and how um, the elements of cozy and wholesome living and slowing down um, yeah, again, all themes I really love, um, how to implement that into your life. And I really, really enjoy it. It's a very easy read. Um, it's not even like a instructional how-to thing. It's very, very simple to read. It's not your typical self-help book or whatever. Um, and, and it's a really, really nice gift um, to couple with like some tea, coffee, uh, a mug, uh, maybe a candle, something like that. Um, if you're looking for a gift for someone, but you're not sure exactly how big of a reader they are, I would highly recommend um, giving this book as a gift. It's very beautiful. This is one of the books I decided to keep in my collection forever, um, and it's really, really cool. So love that book. That is an awesome book. Um, book number two, and this is going in chronological order, so that one I read in January, this one, whatever. I could give you dates if I want, but I don't want to. <laughs> so number two, anyway, is I'll Give You the Sun by Jandy Nelson, another four-star rated one um, here. This is a YA novel, so that young adult fiction about twins Jude and her brother Noah. And um, there's some romance here. It's very entertaining story about between siblings and it touches on mental illness and human tragedy, which I really appreciate um, in very light ways. So Jude and Noah tell you their life story from their own perspective and you get to watch it all unfold as they 
um, they only know their sides of the stories, right? Like any human being. So it's interesting, we get to see their twin perspectives at the end kind of combine and kind of clash. Um, and I thought it was a really nice read, although it does have a lot of mixed reviews online. Um, so I, that always tends to sway me. I have learned I should never look at the reviews or like go into specifics of like what people liked or disliked because it puts me into a mood of like, mm, I'm not going to like this. And then I end up loving it because everyone's preference is so different. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was book number two. Again, it's called I'll Give You the Sun by Jandy Nelson. And book number three is called Why Not Me by Mindy Kaling. And Mindy Kaling, she's a great, great human being in my opinion. Um, this is her second book. I read the first one of hers last year. So that was a really good one. I thought her first one was a little bit better, but I still really enjoyed this book. Um, is book number two for her. It's helpful to know of and probably be a fan already of Mindy Kaling to get into her um, writing. Uh, and then this is Kelly from The Office, um, Mindy from The Mindy Project. Uh, she's in, if you don't know who I'm talking about, just Google her real quick. You probably know, um, you can kind of figure out who she is. She's in a lot of different things, but she's just hilarious. Her humor really comes out in her writing, which is really cool. Um, and it's really interesting to hear her stories of her life, um, how she got to where she is as just a kind of triple threat as a writer, director, and actress. Um, and how she became super successful. And especially as an Indian American, it's really interesting to hear um, her cultural side of things as well. I gave this one three stars, definitely would recommend it. But again, not one of her um, just page turners by any means. The first book is really, really cool. Uh, right, moving on to number four. This one was called Brave Surrender, written by Kim Walker-Smith. So Kim Walker-Smith, very famous Christian music artist, um, started out with the band Jesus Culture and now does stuff on her own, stuff with Rick Pino, collaborating with other people. But this is a very raw and real book of Kim's life and her struggle with so many different things that you just would not know or realize um, from her based on her ministry. So it's very encouraging and not really preachy from what I can remember. Again, I'm really going back in the archives here of the beginning of the year, but it, this one does have some trigger warnings in it that you can Google about. Um, but I gave this one a four-star rating, one of the better Christian autobiographies that I've read to date. So I really appreciated that, but really good one. Um, she's very encouraging through her stories. Uh, book number five is called Puzzle Pieces, Recovering uh, Your Lost Generational Inheritance. This one is written by Deb Warner. If you're one of my Buffalo Native list listeners, then uh, especially in the religious scene, then or the Christian evangelical church scene, um, the name Deb Warner probably sounds familiar to you. And Deb is a local pastor and minister with her husband, Al, um, in the city of Buffalo. And this book is her first release and was passed on to me by a friend who thought I might like it. And um, this story is about how Deb went on a journey to uncover her personal generational inheritance and all the clues and facts she uncovered about her own family when she was traveling all over the world. Um, it's pretty fascinating and it encourages you that if you have dirt or any ounce of chaos or guilt or shame or whatever stuff, if you will, in your family line, um, maybe that you didn't have anything to do with, you're just dealt with that. Um, you can handle that in your generation and kind of rip um, 
that up and kind of nip it in the bud, if you will, and kind of stop things that are occurring in your family, um, stop guilt and shame and stuff like that from what's happened from your relatives past. But I really enjoyed this book. I thought it was really well written for a first book um, by Deb. And I, I hope she'll uh, write again and we'll get to hear more from her. It was really cool. Um, so I rated this one as a four star read. Book number six is Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. And oh man, so probably this is the most buzzworthy title on my list this year. Any basic to avid reader has at least heard of this one. If I um, was talking to you in person or if this was a video and I held up the book, you'd probably be like, oh yeah, I definitely saw that title floating around on Amazon or social media or something. Um, but you know, if you haven't read it already, you probably know of it. So this is my first five-star review of 2021 friends. So this is another title that has a lot of mixed reviews, which almost again, maybe not read it, but, um, I am so freaking glad that I did, you know, just go ahead and start it because this is a story about Kaya Clark, um, who is known as the Marsh girl. And when popular boy Chase Andrews is found dead, all of the locals immediately, immediately believe it to be on the hands of Kaya. And I thought this book was beautifully written. I felt like it was like, uh, it just took me into the marsh with Kaya every time I cracked open this book. And the story is just a gripping murder mystery and also touches on some really important themes of race and stereotypes and isolation, education systems. And oh man, it's just a stunning read. I highly recommend it. Um, and I honestly, I mean, I can understand why some people don't like it, I guess. The end's kind of fuzzy, but I don't know. Just go read it if you, you're interested in the topic because it was really good. Um, book number seven is called Mending Tomorrow, and it was written by Alyssa Kilala. And um, this is another faith-based book about the topics of fear and loss and um, betrayal, pain, and disappointment. Um, it's a really interesting story to hear about Alyssa's life from Alyssa. And uh, she walks you through like the mental and emotional and spiritual side of grief um, when she experienced the loss of her son. So there's definitely a lot of trigger warnings on this one too, but I found it really encouraging for those going through the fight of their lives. Like, especially as believers, she really um, has some good encouragement for those that are believers that are going through hell really on earth um, and how to handle that and how to be real and not, um, you know, just kind of, I mean, this is controversial, but, you know, pray your way through things and stuff like that. Like it, she's very real, very raw, and just gives you actual good advice and encouragement and kind of um, peace as you kind of walk through your own uh, grief as uh, life kind of unfolds for you. So this was a four-star read for me. Oh, right. Going into book number eight, this book, oh, The Berlin Girl by Mandy Robotham. Okay, well, you can call me biased, but this was my all-time favorite read of the year right here, book number eight. <laughs> so this is a six-star read, if I could put six stars on it, and I will put six, six stars on it. So this is by the author I mentioned earlier in this episode that is my favorite World War II novelist, and this one was so Good. So this is her third book 
they're not in a series like that kind of falls into each other. Um, but this one is just a heart wrenching story of a country on the brink of war and a woman who puts herself in the line of fire for others. And, um, Oh, you know, it's just like a world about to be changed forever a situation. So I love learning about um, stuff like this, having the real influential facts of the time brought into the fiction part of the novel. It's really kind of nice. Um, this book is set in Berlin in 1938, just before Germany enters into World War II. The story is about an English young lady named Georgie, who is posted in Berlin as a reporter um, about the current climate in Germany and her struggles with being so anti-Nazi, but um, without blowing her cover as she works in Nazi Germany. And she works alongside the Nazis as well. So she goes to dinner parties with them, but they she's not supposed to blow her cover that she is very much opposed to the Nazi regime. So um, there's a bit of romance involved and the climax of the book had me literally sweating bullets and I was in tears multiple times during this book. Um, it's so good. It just really takes you right into the streets of Berlin. And oh man, uh, I would read that one again, honestly. So, and you know, that's me saying something. It was super, super good. Five stars. I mean, six stars. No question about it. Um, book number nine. Oh my goodness. Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine by Gail Honeyman. Again, Sorry, this is the thing about reading. Sometimes you don't know how things are pronounced because you're reading it and not hearing it. So if I'm mispronouncing something, I do heavily apologize, but I don't know how to correct that right now. <laughs> um, but anyways, what the heck? Another five-star book. I loved this book so much. It's in the YA genre again. But holy cow, this one will wreck you at the end when everything starts to kind of wrap up and unveil itself. Um, at least it did for me, who comes from a very emotional attachment to main characters. So um, Eleanor, she is a very stuck in her very particular way, perfectionist, so could relate to that. And um, she follows the routine perfectly for her life. Um, she struggles with mental illness that you kind of understand as you learn more about her. But her life is fine, and no one ever told her that it should be anything but that. Um, and her co-worker, Raymond, ends up seeing Eleanor for more than just the stuffy girl who is socially awkward and doesn't waste any time at work. Um, and from that, her world changes. And this one touches on, again, mental illness, isolation, and some other tough issues. So I would, again, Google that one real quick before you go ahead and jump into it. But this is so funny at times. Like, it literally just had me, like, chuckling out loud as I was reading it because Eleanor is just so particular and funny. Um, I just loved it. So that was a really good one. Five star read. Um, book number 10 is Things I Wish I'd Known Before We Got Married by Gary Chapman. I read this book as a recommendation from our marriage counseling since this was about a month or so before I got married. Uh, Gary Chapman is the author of the Five Love Languages book and the test that a lot of us have taken. So I was excited to read this one. And it's overall a pretty good book. Um, but you need to take it with a grain of salt. I will give you a warning with that because it's a wee bit old school and outdated and some things I had to just toss out immediately because it just didn't align with my beliefs and values. 
Um, but overall, it was a good one to read through prior to getting married, I think. I think about some of the themes and topics um, he talks about in this book, uh, you know, almost four months into being married now. So it's kind of cool that you have that to come back to. Again, I would very much take it with a grain of salt and run your own values through it, um, whatever he says. But he is a um, psychologist and mental health counselor. So it is kind of cool to consider what he has to say here. Um, he is a bit harsh. <laughs> so um, at least in this book, I really enjoy his five love, love languages, which doesn't come out of the same vein. And if you ask me, but um, just a heads up on that one. I gave this two stars personally. Um, book number 11. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. So Attachments by Rainbow Rowell. Okay, this novel I read on my honeymoon. So I feel like there's a little bit of an extra special whatever to reminisce on it but this one is a four-star read for me and it's about an IT guy who is hired to monitor the emails of his co-workers um, that get flagged for like inappropriate language or humor or like misuse of company time or resources so he reads through the hilarious conversations between his two co-workers called Beth and Jennifer um, and Beth and Jennifer are very good friends so at the end of this, um, he ends up falling in love with Beth through reading about her personal life and her beautiful personality that shines through her emails to Jennifer. And he never does his actual job, though, and rats them out or um, disciplines them or anything for completely wasting company time. It is just so interesting. <laughs> but um, he falls in love with Beth. So what does he do with that though? With the romantic feelings he feels for a woman um, that he's really never met in person, but he doesn't even know what she looks like. So he's like walking around the workplace and he works for a big company and gets a journalist um, company or something like that. But um, he, he, he already knows so much about her and so much about you know who she is like deeply, um, but he's never met her. And he, she doesn't know anything about him and you know i'm pretty sure she's not going to love the fact that she that this guy has been spying on her emails right <clears throat> excuse me so it's really an entertaining read and i feel so fortunate to have read it in the blistering heat by the pool in orlando in august <laughs> so i highly recommend that one it was very very good um i think that one would kind of fall in the ya category it's probably just your basic fiction though. Anyway, book number 12 is The Fight to Flourish by Jenny Lusco. This is a faith-based self-improvement book and it was gifted to me. Um, the concept is really great and Jenny Lusco shares and teaches about how to engage in the struggle to cultivate the life that you were born to live. And she shares really personal journal entries from her own life that really leave an impact um, to the points and concepts she shares about. But honestly, I had a hard time getting into this book um, I think it's well written and it's thought out, but I think it's a bit of like a shallow dive for me um, in the concepts and the feedback that she gives, um, you know, to to help in the way of flourishing your life. Um, I, I don't know. I think this was a me issue and not necessarily the book's problem, but I think there have been more meaningful books on this topic for me in the past. So I rated it as two stars. Book number 13 is called Opportunity Knocks by Allison Sweeney. Um, Allison Sweeney is an actress. You can go 
Google her if you don't know who I'm talking about. But this is a fun, like really girly read that I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, it's a story about a young makeup artist named Alex who is fighting to make a name for herself and get ahead in the industry um, and who falls into this incredible job opportunity as a makeup artist um, that takes her from her home in California to New York City. And um, she becomes this makeup artist for a very tough to get along with celebrity culinary icon. And um, Alex ends up finding herself in a heap of legal trouble as she inadvertently violates her confidentiality clause um, while working for the celebrity. And then she has 72 hours to clear her name and get out of a fine of $1 million, which this young girl certainly does not have. <laughs> um, it's a very fun read and it kept me up um, later than I wanted to be during some of the climax points um, of the novel. And I gave this one three stars. It's a really, again, nice girly read. Book number 14 is called The Tales of Beetle and the Bard um, by J.K. Rowling. Aaron pushed this one into my lap to read and it was fun to get to experience it. It's short stories, um, fairy tales. I love fairy tales so much. Um, and this is a collection of five fairy tales, each with its own magical character to teach us valuable lessons like any good fairy tale does. Um, this copy included penned notes from Professor Dumbledore himself with notes on how to apply the story to our lives today. Um, and that makes any Hogwarts lover smile. It was very, very fun to read this one. I gave it three stars. Okay. Book number 15 is The Boys Club by Erica Katz with the K. Um, so Oh boy, this one, it wrecked me. It was so good. I gave it four stars, but it could easily be in the five star um, slot if you, you know, if I kind of thought about it maybe differently. But this one definitely has some trigger warnings in it. So please Google that one before you dive in. But um, if you've had any experience in corporate America, you will unfortunately be able to relate to this story, especially if you're a young female. But this book is about another main character named Alex, who is a high achiever who begins her career at Glasgow and Fitch. And that is a prestigious Manhattan law firm in New York City. So Alex promises her sweet longtime boyfriend at the start of this new chapter for her that she's going to implement clear work boundaries and not become that typical first-year lawyer working nonstop. But then she quickly finds the attraction to the money and the energy around the law firm to overtake her life. And this story touches on um, abuse, power, manipulation, and ethics violations um, that happen behind closed doors of some of the most successful companies in the world and the struggle this young professional goes through to sort it all out for herself. Um, Alex finds out that there is a clear code of conduct for women in her profession at this firm, especially. And over time, she finds that she is unable to keep silent and fights for women's equality and respect in the workplace. Um, and she exposes like shocking truths about the firm's top executives and their clients as well. So it's dicey, it's crazy, it's very sadly realistic, and it's a page turner. Like, woo, 10 out of 10 would recommend that was a good one. It's a four-star read, but like, again, could easily be a five-star. 
Okay, book number 16, we're getting to the end of our list here, is called Garden City by John Mark Homer. So this was a five-star read for me, no doubt. I'm biased though because this is one of my favorite authors to date, so there's that. But this book is about work and how to find your calling as it relates to work. Um, and it's supposed to really encourage you to bring back balance and the true reason why we work in today's society. And it talks about fulfillment and calling and purpose and all those good things. I really needed this book personally, and it's a wonderful one to dive into if you're struggling in that area like I was of like, what do I do with my life? What are what I was is all for, you know, all that kind of stuff. If you're spiraling, it's a good one to stop the spiral. <laughs> it is a faith-based book, um, but I think anyone could really benefit from the thoughts and ideas found in this book. I think it's really nice of how you view um, work and rest. And I'm just a big fan of everything John Mark Homer has released thus far. And he is my inspo for going deeper with balance and boundaries. And he's known um, in his world as Mr. Sabbath. But I'd like to put this one as the most influential book that I've read this year. So there you have that. <laughs> um, that's a five star, no doubt. But uh, yeah, so there's all of my books that I have finished up until this point um, from when I'm recording this podcast. And this is the day before it's released. So on Thursday, but I am working through one more book um, at the moment. And this probably will be my last one for the year. But who knows? We'll see. I am not sure how December is going to go for me. Just time and like energy wise. Um I'm going to finish this one up soon, I think, and I'm through enough of it right now where I can give you a brief review. So I'll throw number 17 in here as uh, The Lost Letter by Jillian Cantor. And this is a pretty popular book. I think this one's going to be a four star book for me, maybe a three. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But um, it's a World War II historical fiction novel about 1939 Christoph, who is a young apprentice to a master Jewish engraver that makes stamps for the Austrian government, like postage stamps, okay? Um, so when his engraver teacher disappears during Kristallnacht, uh, Christoph is forced to engrave stamps for the Germans who now occupy Austria. And then meanwhile in LA in 1989, Katie is going through a divorce and her own little crisis herself. Um, and while she's cleaning out her house, she comes across a stamp collection of her elderly father and decides to get the collection appraised because she doesn't know what that to do to with it. Um, and the appraiser discovers that there's an unusual stamp on a letter that was never sent in the mail, which sends Katie and the appraiser on a journey to uncover kind of the story behind this unset le unsent letter, um, what the stamp means, if it has any value or significance historically or monetarily. And um, it's interesting because this part of the story, the 1989 part of the story, um, it's set right in the middle of the just fallen Berlin Wall situation in Germany. So I, again, I'm not finished with it. I'm probably about halfway through or so. Um, but it's exciting. It is a page turner and I'll finish that one up in a few days, no doubt. So there you have it. My year in review of all of the books I've read and enjoyed this year. And I hope you found it entertaining and perhaps insightful if you want to add a title or two to your reading list for the year to come. 
And if you have any books you love this year and you think that I need to experience them as well, certainly reach out to me and let me know about them because I have a running list of wonderful titles that have been recommended to me and I certainly can't wait to read more. So especially this winter, I'm about ready to make a big old thrift books order. <laughs> but um, make sure you go support your local bookshops and libraries and authors this holiday season. There is nothing quite like the gift of reading in my opinion. Again, go find me on Goodreads so we can be friends over there and I can stock your favorite titles. <laughs> uh, but thank you again for joining me today for my little show. I so appreciate you putting me in your ears today. And this is, like I said, actually the last episode of season one of the podcast. So life for me is personally going to kind of ramp up here in the next couple days as I start a new chapter in my life. Plus, you know, the holiday craziness is there as well. So I felt like this was just a good time to take a break for me for a few weeks so uh, I don't experience some super cute burnout, right? Woohoo, we love it. <laughs> um, but I'll be back posting another episode of the podcast on the first Friday of January. So be sure that you're subscribed um, or following the show wherever you're listening to it. And feel free to go back in the archives to catch up on any past episodes you may have missed. Lots of good New Year content is coming in January. I'll talk about New Year's resolutions if I think they're great or if I think they're crap. <laughs> um, and then, um, you know, that long-awaited episode where I get my husband Aaron on the show to answer your nutrition questions. That is coming. He's been preparing for that, um, especially this week. And we're excited to sit down and record that one. Um, yeah, so that might be a two-parter honestly, depending on how long winded we get. <laughs> but uh, look out for that one. That will surely be coming in January. But with that, I wish you a wonderful December. Merry Christmas, uh, season's greetings, Happy New Year, and all that goodbye stuff for now. And I will see you in 2022. Take care, my friend, and just hit send. Bye-bye.